a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to KSL News Radio 206 is the time, meaning that here on Live Mike, it's time, <clears throat> excuse me, for the top two at two o'clock. The top two news stories that I feel warrant a conversation around your kitchen table, uh, be they momentous events in uh, the history of this state, country, or the world, uh, or if it's something simple. Something that might uh, impact the way taxes are paid or the way uh, you travel to and from or attend school. Uh, Important stuff that deserves a family's conversation is what makes it into the top two at two o'clock. The first story I want to discuss today comes from, well, it all started on January 6th. And it is the attack on the United States Capitol. I told you on that day and uh, every opportunity I have had since that what took place then is something that we can never forget. We can never, ever forget what took place on that day. Why? Because we must ensure from all angles that it never happens again. We must be sure that uh, those of us uh, sympathetic with the uh, attackers never let uh, the never let our frustrations rise to the level of uh, violence or criminality or defiling and desecrating such an important place or any place for that matter. And an important lesson for those charged with keeping safe not only the building that was so tragically damaged that day and invaded, but also those individuals, those elected individuals, members of the House and Senate, and on the day of January 6th, the Vice President of the United States, as well as all of the many staffers that support the legislative branch of government. All right, the task of those individuals is momentous. And uh, unfortunately, on January 6th, there were a, a number of balls dropped. Any of the planning that had gone into safeguarding that building uh, was insufficient for what took place. And today, uh, for the first time in earnest, there have commenced a series of hearings, congressional hearings, looking at exactly what happened. Today, before uh, a joint committee hearing of the Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs and the Committee on Rules and Administration, they got together to examine the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol with a specific view uh, looking towards those individuals who were responsible for safeguarding the facility. Four witnesses appeared. Three of those four gentlemen have lost their jobs as a result of the shortcomings on January 6th. Both sergeants at arms, the one responsible for safeguarding the United States Senate, as well as the other chamber in Congress, uh, the House of Representatives, 
former sergeant at arms Paul Irving was a participant in today's hearing, as well as the former U.S. Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund, who I'd like to play for you now described uh, about described how a lack of accurate intelligence led Down to there, um, the, the well, let me turn that off there so I make sure we're getting the right audio. My apologies. Uh, a year in, I'm still learning how to do this. Former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund described how a lack of accurate intelligence led to the problems of January 6th. A clear lack of accurate and complete intelligence across several federal agencies contributed to this event and not poor planning by the United States Capitol Police. We rely on accurate information from our federal partners to help us develop effective security plans. The intelligence that we based our planning on indicated that the January 6th protests were expected to be similar to the previous MAGA rallies in 2020, which drew tens of thousands of participants. The assessment indicated that members of the Proud Boys, white supremacist groups, Antifa, and other extremist groups were expected to participate on January 6th and that they may be inclined to become violent. Based on the intelligence that we received, we plan for an increased level of violence at the Capitol and that some participants may be armed. But none of the intelligence we received predicted what actually occurred. Did you hear between the lines what was being said there? It was uh, reiterated uh, twice, and it had to do with intelligence and that the Capitol Police uh, did everything it could with the information available to it. That was unfortunately one of the themes of the hearing uh, this morning. Uh, each of the gentlemen involved, each of the witnesses uh, on, you know, when it was their turn to speak and answer questions, uh, for the most part, uh, look to point fingers at uh, other government agencies, in, in this case, some of the intelligence agencies, as well as one another, specifically when it came to the deploying of the National Guard. And so today is Chapter 1 of a series of investigations, specifically hearings, looking into what transpired. It's important because we must cross our fingers at all levels and do proactively uh, take action to ensure that this type of thing never happens again. We do that by controlling our own behavior, and we do that uh, in the police force level uh, at the U.S. Capitol by adjusting our tactics and learning from what took place on January 6th. All right, moving on. Second top story of the day. This one also comes from Washington, this time from U.S. Senator Cory Booker and a conversation I had uh, moments ago with a writer for the Deseret News, Samuel Benson, as he and others in a fascinating write-up. You can find this at Deseret.com right now. Uh, The headline is Lifting the American Family. Here are three potential solutions to give a financial boost. One of the three presented... One of the three presented in this article is uh, a piece, a proposal rather, by Senator Cory Booker. Here he is uh, briefly explaining his proposal. This is legislation that, that we know, um, um, again, any child that is, that is poor will benefit from this. But we know that this is going to specifically address the racial wealth gap in America. Because we, we know now, we're looking at it, it, it could be literally centuries, I'm not exaggerating, if we don't do anything, uh, it'll, it'll take that much longer for that wealth gap uh, uh, to, to ever close in this country. He's pitching something he's affectionately called baby bonds. The plan is this. Uh, a newborn baby 
will have on its behalf by the U.S. government a savings account opened and a initial deposit of $1,000. Then, depending on the parent's either net worth or income level, each year that same child will have an annual deposit of up to $2,000. That amount of money will accumulate in an individual account on uh, that child's behalf until the child turns 18 years old. Uh, The hopes are, and part of Senator Booker's plan, is that uh, there will be some uh, annual interest rate uh, of about 3% growing that amount. And when that child turns 18, ready to start a new chapter of life, they'll have a little nest egg uh, in the amount of about $50,000. Best case scenario. What do you think about that? As I spoke with uh, Mr. Benson uh, about that, I said, hold on a second, that that smacks a bit of redistribution of wealth. And that, uh, in large part, in our uh, in our country is something of a dirty word. And he said, well, yeah, it uh, it comes down to funding, though. If it is a tax hike on the wealthy, then yes, it is exactly that. But the source of funding for this proposal is still an unanswered question. And so with that, uh, you know, it uh, continues to circulate in many circles, regardless of politics. Uh, there have been proposals like this in the past. Nothing's ever taken hold. Will this be different? What do you think? Talk about it with the family. Send me a text tomorrow night. Those have been the top two stories at 2 o'clock. We're going to take a quick break right now. And when we return, we're going to listen to some of the words of Utah Governor Spencer Cox from Utah's Morning News, talking about a piece of legislation that would limit executive power, specifically in the realm of executive orders. What's that all about? We'll speak with Senator Evan Vickers next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.